Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. PSP, nothing personal, word of the day for Friday. It's Friday, January 13th, 2023. PSP as in the Patriots succession plan. Can't you just picture Robert Kraft calling a meeting like Brian Coxwood on the TV show? All of his coaches are there, like all of the sons in succession. You've got Jeremy Strong and everybody's sitting there and Macaulay Culkin's brother and they're figuring out who's going to finally take over for Bill Belichick. He's been there now, what, 23 years since 2006 Super Bowls, likely the most famous and best and most successful coach Hard to argue. I mean, he's such a curmudgeon, right? Him in his hoodie. I mean, the opposite of Dan Reeves. Maybe that's part of the issue, but he gets up there and, okay, on to next week. So he sits down with Robert Kraft and Robert Kraft says, hey, we haven't won a playoff game in four years. Every time we let one of our coaches go, they're not all that successful coaching. So maybe you ought to give some of your responsibilities to other people. So he went ahead and let Matt Patricia and Joe Judge call the offense this past year did not work. Patriots missed the playoffs for their fourth year in a row. Does Robert Kraft finally say to Bill, hey, listen, it may have been Tom. I mean, maybe not totally Tom, but you have to understand, we have to start planning for you to leave because I I feel like you're sort of Popovich, but that said, we're going to have to start winning again. I mean, I'm an octogenarian. I may have just gotten married, but I got to tell you, I want to get another Super Bowl. I got to match Tom. It's a thing. I've got to get the seventh. So what the Patriots are doing with their succession plan, and we talked a couple months ago about owners and their succession plans, and that's much more estate planning. That is much more figuring out from a tax standpoint. That's much more having the sport that you're in, the league, have your succession plan in case of emergency, in case of tragedy. A succession plan when it comes to coaches normally is done under the table, behind the coaches or manager's back. You start interviewing a bunch of people, even though you know who you want, and then you're ready. So when you fire Mr. X, you've got Mr. Y ready to go. But the Patriots succession plan is going to be a little different. My favorite thing was having a manager in waiting, whether that person's in the front office, whether that person's on the sideline. 
I like doing it one of two ways because there are only two ways you have someone in waiting. One is when the current manager or head coach is not aware of the succession plan. That's when you bring in an experienced bench coach in baseball as an example, who the manager didn't choose because in baseball, managers should choose their bench coach because that's their lieutenant. That's the person who has their back. And when ownership demands a certain bench coach gets hired and that bench coach may have experience, whereas the manager does not, then the manager knows, "Uh uh-oh, we may have a sitch brewing here. But the other way is when the coach or manager is involved in his own succession plan. In baseball, that is extremely rare because managers generally don't stay around that long. There are exceptions. I mean, frankly, it doesn't happen. I mean, you have to think about Popovich and Spolstra and, uh, and Belichick as being the exception, not the rule. But I believe what's happening right now in New England, and you heard little leaks about it yesterday, is that there is a succession plan being put into place and it doesn't involve anybody other than Gerard Mayo. That's a name that you may not have associated as being someone who would be the head coach of the Patriots, but he's been around since 08. Remember, he played for them. 08 to 15, he played for the Patriots, won some Super Bowls, and then he joined the staff back in 19. He has been what some would just dismiss as Rooneyed, but I would say the opposite. He is a legitimate candidate to be a head coach. The Panthers already requested permission to talk to him. One of the things that is important to do when you're a minority, either in baseball or in football, and you can then decide for yourself once you have the information, but are you being used as just a Rooney rule or are you a legitimate candidate for a job? Jim Irsay tweeted out, we just interviewed Eric Bieniemy." Is that just for eyewash because they're staying with Jeff Sunday? Or is that a real interview and Bieniemy obviously deserves to be a head coach somewhere? Query, what do you want to do with Irsay? But Mayo is also a legitimate head coach candidate. And Robert Kraft would love the idea of having Mayo as his head coach, love the idea, thinking that being the Pittsburgh Steelers is the way to go. And why am I drawing the comparisons? Think about what the Steelers have done over the years. They went from Chuck Knoll to Bill Cower to Mike Tomlin. That's it. They've had three coaches like in the past 40 years. That sort of continuity is what makes a franchise win. That sort of continuity is what makes a franchise successful. But that continuity is super hard to find. You have to have owners who are patient. You have to have owners who are willing to go through bad times, who are willing to lose, who are willing to still believe in a coach and not blame a coach when the personnel don't work out or not blame a coach when you're not as good as you thought you were or be an owner who understands his own delusional feelings. Very few owners can do that. But Robert Kraft has always struck me as someone, however, egomaniacal he may be, whatever he does off the field, on the field, whatever power he has within the commissioner's office, you cannot deny that he had has held on to Bill Belichick, not just through the Brady years, but in the post-Brady years when there's clearly been a struggle. But he's got to be thinking about what's next. His son is the president of the team. He's 81 years old. This is the time. So what they're doing is they announce, and this is sort of the tricky way to do it, You say that we are negotiating with Mayo right now. We would like to negotiate a long-term contract with him as defensive coordinator. Well, here's a news alert. There is no assistant coach who signs a long-term contract with any team who has a chance to be a head coach 
without two provisions. The one provision is that they will be granted permission every single time any team asks him, asks the Patriots for permission. So that would be one provision you'd have to put in to protect yourself, saying anytime there's permission asked, you are forced to grant it and I will decide, meaning Mayo, will decide whether or not I want to interview. Or you have a contract which says no permission will ever be granted, and that is because there is a plan in place and a contractual money structure in place for you to be the head coach. It happens in ownership all the time when it's happening right now in in, uh, in Cleveland, the Cleveland Guardians, Paul Dolan sold to David Blitzer. There's a path to control that David Blitzer has to own and control the Guardians. It's happening with the Minnesota Timberwolves. When A-Rod and his business partner bought the Timberwolves, they had a path to control to be controlling owners. By the way, A-Rod's tweet, shoveling snow, welcoming Correa to Team Shovel in Minnesota. The likelihood of Correa and A-Rod shoveling snow together in Minnesota, other than for a photo op, I'm going to say less than likely. In any case, so paths to control, succession plans, those happen. So either Mayo says, I'll negotiate a long-term deal, but give me permission if I want, or I'm negotiating a long-term deal, name me defensive coordinator, but in the contract, there is a provision that says, were I to be named head coach, in 2024, the salary will jump from X to Y because the money you make as defensive coordinator will not be the amount of money you agree to as a head coach. You can put in a provision that says that as head coach, you will get an average of the last five first year head coaches, or you will be paid a dollar more than the last first year head coach who was hired. Any provision like that that you want, but if I'm Mayo, I'm not signing a long-term deal when I know that I'm head coach candidate. I'm not signing a long-term deal with the Patriots. Why would I do that? But the opportunity to take over a program like the Patriots who wants to model themselves after the Steelers, I like that. And I think that's what Mayo's going to do. So I think you're going to see him sign that long-term deal. And then you're going to have Belichick right off into the sunset as part of the Patriot succession plan. I say he coaches next year. And the way Belichick has a deal with Kraft, I promise you this is the case, he can coach as long as he wants or until Kraft says it's time for him to move on, whichever is sooner. So as much loyalty as there is between Kraft and Belichick, at some point, the Patriots are going to have to get back into the playoffs and win a playoff game. So I think that Belichick probably has one year left, maybe two years left at most. And you can sort of see it on his face. I mean, he's been old and grumpy since he was young and, and lively, but at some point, it's too much, right? You know, when you are owning a team, one of the things that you have to think about is what's in the best interests of the team. When you get older as an owner, and we've seen this in a bunch of teams right now, I saw it throughout baseball, throughout my career, Ted Lerner, steps down for his son, Mark Lerner. Fred Wilpon gave a lot of power to Jeff Wilpon. You see fathers at some point handing over the reins to their sons. I was trying to picture Jerry Jones handing over the team to Stephen Jones. I'm trying to picture Robert Kraft handing over the team to Jonathan Kraft. One of the reasons why older owners don't want to do it, it shows them how quickly they become irrelevant. And 
Can you imagine a world where Robert Kraft is irrelevant? But that's what happens. If you're not the controlling owner, that means you're not really gonna be on any ownership committees. It means you're not gonna have the ear of Roger Goodell. It's sort of like becoming commissioner emeritus. When Bud Seeley became commissioner emeritus, there were thoughts that Rob Manford would lean on him, that Bud would have a seat at the table, could come to any meetings he wanted. Never. Bud doesn't have a seat at the table. Bud doesn't consult with Rob. I don't think they even talk much anymore. When Bud calls, my guess is there's eye rolls. And that's not because Rob doesn't like Bud or Rob isn't thankful for getting the job or for being the one who Bud wanted to have in the job. It means that time passes. Your window of power and your window of relevance ends. And recognizing when that point is, man, it's hard. You know, we talk about it with athletes, don't we? Hey, you're over the hill, like time to retire. And so the athletes say, no, rip the jersey off me. I can still do it. Owners are the same way. It's gonna be interesting because what I would love to see is Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick to ride off into the sunset together. They could go to a press conference, they could sit there, they could have Mayo at the press conference. How great would that be? I think Roger Goodell would love that. All right, we'll see what happens. What about Woody Johnson? Is he gonna ride off into the sunset? I think the New York Jets fans wish that he would, right? Remember when he was the uh, ambassador to the UK under Trump and he put the team in trust, so to speak, and gave it to his brother to run and his brother was giving you quotes and saying, I'm in charge, I'm in charge. What a bunch of Buffalo biscuits. Woody Johnson never gave up control of the Jets, ever. Now he's running a team that he hired his coach, brought, brought in Robert Saleh. Do I have it, Coca? Just tell me, we're live. Do I have it or not? I'm sorry. Do you ever, I feel like Jennifer Coolidge in, during the Golden Globes when she says, when you say a name incorrectly, you can't ever say it correctly. Salah, Salah, Robert Salah. I'll get it now, thank you. Why couldn't you have just said S-A-L-U-H from the beginning? So Woody Johnson had a problem because the Jets were a good team to start the year. Everyone thought they were gonna be in the playoffs and then they absolutely collapsed, losing their last six games, I think. And Woody Johnson was not participating in any postseason press conferences. We thought everything was good and the Jets were actually on the right road. Well, yesterday, Woody Johnson couldn't help it and decided he was gonna talk to reporters. Owners talking to reporters. It doesn't work, right? And the reason it doesn't work is they're too stubborn. They don't wanna learn, they don't wanna be media trained, and they don't wanna have any sort of governor on them. So they say things, and then all the reporters are hanging on every word because they feel like, wow, we're hearing from the owner. So Woody Johnson meets the media, and he talks, tells stories of what he does during games. And this is what he said. I go to the parking lot every game and I talk to the fans and they're not gonna have time to be analytical with me because they're usually cheering, Jets chants and all that stuff. They're optimistic, they've been optimistic. I wanna give them what they want and what they want is wins and they deserve it. I'm gonna try and do everything I can to make it happen for them. No stone unturned. I'm trying to remember the last time I saw an owner walking through a parking lot. It's sort of like staged, because you have security with you. It's not like Woody Johnson is walking through without anybody. He's got guards with him, he has security with him, he has other employees with him. And the reason you have to have other people with you is you cannot leave the owner there just to talk to fans because you don't know what he's gonna say. 
Now, no matter how unpopular an owner is, just know that people, when they meet an owner or they meet a president, they don't have the keyboard courage or the cyber courage. They have the need for selfies and the need for autographs. It is the rare person who would go to an owner who walks in and say, oh man, you stink, the team stinks. So that is why owners always say, and you'll hear this if you look for this, now you're always gonna hear this. Hey, I think our fans are great, they're all excited, everything seems fine. Well, that's just because you're burying your head in the sand like an ostrich. There's nothing fine with the Jets right now. They need to find a quarterback. They need to decide if they're gonna stay with Zach Wilson. What are you gonna do with Mike White? Get rid of Joe Flacco, not because his son wore a Dolphins jersey, because he stinks. And so Woody Johnson said, you know, we're gonna sign a quarterback if one's there. We're ready to spend money. We know that we're just a quarterback away from being great. Can you name the Jets quarterbacks since Joe Namath? How many have there been? It's not like Pittsburgh Steelers coaches, right? I mean, can you go back as far as Richard Todd? You wanna celebrate Mark Sanchez? I'm okay, you can celebrate that if you want. All these teams who don't win all say they're a quarterback away. And when they get a good quarterback who doesn't work out, they say, all right, we need to give him some wide receivers. When that doesn't work out, they say, man, our defense stinks. It is page seven of the playbook to say when you're not winning that there's a part of your team is the cause when it's fairly obvious what the cause is. I like the owners who stand up and say, man, our evaluators suck. We had an opportunity to draft high up and we took Zach Wilson. What a disaster. They're giving him $35 million next year to hold a clipboard. And what are they gonna trade for Derek Carr? What's their plan? Free agent? He's claiming he's gonna leave no stone unturned. It sort of bothers me a little bit that he would do this. Talking about how great our defense was after two years ago, they were terrible and now they're ranked high. Therefore, we have a good defense. Our offense should have been better, but they weren't. So it's time to fire the offensive coordinator, the offensive line coach, the wide receivers coach is the one kicked out of football for gambling. So they're gonna have a whole new offensive system put in, a brand new quarterback. It's starting to remind me a little bit of the Colts. Is that the team Coke? I'm totally blanking on a Friday. What's the team? They've had uh, five quarterbacks in five years. We talked about them this week, brand new quarterback every year. I do think it was the Colts, it was. And we know very well that doesn't work. Continuity. So if you're a Jets fan, you're a Patriots fan, or you're just a fan of any team in the AFC East, wondering when it's gonna get better for your team, here's a surprise for you. The Jets and Patriots are not getting better. The chances of the Jets bringing in a top flight quarterback, I'm gonna say de minimis. Coca just gave me a good stat and I'm gonna give it to you, we're live. Coke has given me stats in my ear. There's been, in 30 seasons, only Chad Pennington has started five seasons or more as quarterback. How many of you have that? I didn't have that. Chad Pennington, holy crikeys. Finding a good quarterback is very difficult. You draft one, you trade for one, you pray. Sign one as a free agent. You could end up with a Russell Wilson, you can end up with a Patrick Mahomes. The Ravens have their quarterback, Lamar Jackson trying to figure out what to do with him. We've touched on it on previous shows. Lamar Jackson announced, not through the team, it was sort of like his announcement that he's not playing this weekend against the Bengals in that rematch of week 18. And I am, uh, I'm sad for Ravens fans because you wanna lose with your best. 
Just like I was sad when it was Hosteller playing for Sims until Hosteller won a Super Bowl and I was happy. Just like I was sad when Brady was playing for Bledsoe until Brady won the Super Bowl and then I was happy. Just like I was sad when Foles played for somebody. Oh God, that was gonna be such a good segment. Give me the name so I can go right into the segment and do it right. Who did Foles replace? Was it Carson Wentz back in, in, in Philadelphia? All right, ready? Four, eight, 69. And then when Foles came in for Wentz, I was happy and won a Super Bowl. Do you think who's replacing Lamar Jackson can get it done? Think they can even get past the Bengals? He released a statement on his social media basically saying he was out Sunday. If you're the Ravens, you gotta figure out what you're doing with Lamar and don't let it leak too far into the offseason. If you're gonna tag him, tag him. If you're gonna sign him, sign him. If you're gonna trade him, trade him. If you're gonna tag and trade, sign and trade. Don't let your franchise be bogged down or held hostage by a player. And this reminds me of the Deshaun Watson situation with the Texans. Not that Lamar Jackson should be in the same sentence as Deshaun Watson. But it's any player who is holding you up. Your job as an executive is to stop that. You know there's only three outcomes with Lamar, right? Sign him, trade him, tag him. It's not like this is coming up as a surprise. They've been ready for this. They've been negotiating a long-term deal with the guy for over a year now. You know whether or not he's gonna take below Watson and above Murray. You know whether or not you're willing to go there. It's not like something's gonna change. Oh, he has a sprained MCL, he may take less money. That's not how athletes think at all. Whatever he demanded last off season, he's not changing his demands because he missed six games or because the Ravens didn't have a good season. He's simply not gonna do it that way. So the ownership of the Ravens, they've got an interesting decision to make and they're going to make it. They're gonna bring Lamar Jackson back. They're gonna end up franchise tagging him and then they're gonna let him play next year, prove health, and then maybe sign him before his second tag to a much longer term deal. As a matter of fact, Coca, let's do a, uh, a wait to see on that. We can do an official wait to see, all right? Lamar Jackson, wait to see when I tell you something's gonna happen. Hey, this is nothing personal, we're live. Coca wasn't ready, I wasn't ready, it just came to my head, we're doing it. Wait to see when we tell you something's gonna happen, it either does or doesn't, and we'll revisit it, I guarantee you that. Lamar Jackson will get franchise tagged this offseason. Wait to see. All right, when we come back, I'm going to review the movie that I told you I watched yesterday that Coca told me to watch and asked me to watch. And then we're going to give you an update on Trevor Bauer because we've got a pretty good update on him. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I'm devoted to movies, as you know. We watch a new movie every single day. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. You may be live with us. If not, you're on tape. I'm not on tape. I'm right here. Coca called me and said, every time I give you a suggestion, you love it. How many other people are batting 1,000? He's not fully batting 1,000, but he's definitely batting well above 850. I think there's only one series, one movie that he's told me to watch that I haven't liked, and I only gave it one episode, and I should have tried harder. It's about those people working as caterers, as outside caterers, Coca, which you told me to watch the full season, and I didn't. But he told me to watch a new documentary on Amazon Prime called Wildcat. I sat there for about an hour and a half, and I didn't move. I didn't look at my phone. I didn't check my watch. I only had to make sure that both sleeves were available to wipe tears. The tears that I shed were tears of about me. And this is about Wildcat. Why would I be so sad, not about what's happening in the movie? And the reason is that this is a movie about someone who goes to the Peruvian jungle and he had served in Afghanistan. He's a 18 year old from the UK. And then he goes to the Peruvian jungle. He wants to get involved in saving wildlife. And he meets someone and they raise a small asa animal. It's like a small cat. It's like a small jaguar. It's a large cat, becomes a wild animal. And they're in the business, an ocelot, thank you. They're in the business of saving animals. And the movie, and they're wild cats, obviously, and the documentary is about when you're deep in the jungles of Peru and in the Amazon, and you are trying really not to say you're gonna make the world better, not to say you're gonna help somebody, you are committing all in, all chips on the table, and you are going to the middle of the Kvelt, and you are helping an animal return to the wild, survive in the wild. And the question is, will that animal be able to survive in the wild? But what struck me more about the documentary, and believe me, you're gonna wanna watch this, was when I watch a movie that makes me feel like my life choices may have been wrong, and is it too late to make different life choices, I get sad. The feeling of just disappearing is a feeling for those of you who knew me in high school or college or law school or during my baseball career. Something that I have said uh, comes from the movie Fearless with Jeff Bridges, my number one movie on my list of top 100 and has been for decades. One of the things that is the concept of that movie, it's about people who survive a plane crash. Uh, that's another story for another day, but talks about the concept of disappearing the concept of mortality, the concept of understanding what makes you sad, what makes you happy, how you can function, how what happens when you're isolated, even when you're surrounded by people, what happens when you put your heart and soul into something and then it doesn't happen for you? How do you rebound from that? How do you get the courage to do things differently? How do you get the courage to pick up and just go to the jungles of Peru? And whatever your jungles of Peru are, that's the point right? It doesn't have to be the jungles of Peru. It can be the cornfields of Iowa. It can be the city of New York. It doesn't matter. It's how do you get the courage 
to be uncomfortable enough to make a change in your life that you don't know whether or not it's gonna work, but you know that it's worth trying. And so what made me sad is that I've done a lot of things and I'm making this about me because it's my show and I'm going to make it about me, it's our show, but I don't wanna make it about Coco right now, but I could, by the way, Coco, I could bring you on right now and talk about this documentary as it relates to you. That's for sure, but I wouldn't do that to you unless you want to do that to yourself. Maybe episode 1000, you'll bury your soul for all of us. But I was just thinking about what it would be to disappear, what it would be to care about something so much that you're okay being in isolation, you're okay putting your chips in, you're okay making a difference in a way that doesn't involve things that sometimes you feel like don't have meaning. Wildcat, believe me, it is worth your time. All right, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. No, I don't need a hug. I'm not telling you to feel badly for me. I'm the luckiest person I've ever met. But anyway, so you want to talk to Samson. It's from a movie, Half-Baked. If you haven't seen the movie, go watch it this weekend. It's way better if you're 35, 69th baked, but if you can't be, you're still gonna enjoy it. There's a character named Samson, people wanna talk. If you wanna ask me a question and talk to Samson, get on Twitter at David P. Samson, get into Apple, write reviews, follow me on YouTube. You can put it in the YouTube comments because Coco follows those. Here we go. I prefer you to like call me by my name. I mean, not in a army hammer sort of way, but more like in a Timothy Chalamet sort of way. This question did not have my name in it, but it was good enough that I'm still going with it. Now that Bauer has been released, what next? <laughs> that is, you win. You know who you are. That's the shortest question that we've put on the air as part of our shows. I think, what are we, in number 732 of regular shows since October of 19, not counting mailbags or sit-downs or bonuses? No, David. No capitalization. The grammar was bad. Everything about it. However, I want to talk about Bauer. Because as you may recall, I told you that Trevor Bauer was going to be released, but it was being reported that seven days ago he got released. And I said, no. And you learned he got designated for assignment. Then you wait seven days. You figure out if you can trade the player. You put the player through waivers where every team has a chance to claim him. When that doesn't happen, he gets released. Well, seven days passed and Trevor Bauer, the erstwhile quality pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds and Cleveland Guardians and Los Angeles Dodgers is now able to sign with any team for the minimum because the Dodgers are gonna pay him his $22.5 million this year as the third and final year of his three-year contract. He's finished serving his suspension, 194 games, done, ready to go. He's not gonna get paid for the first 50, but he's getting $22.5 million. That's all you need to know. But for the other 29 teams, give him 720 grand for the year, he's yours. You're beginning to see the trial balloons come out about teams deciding, should we sign Trevor? Should we not sign Trevor? Rumors are ready, Mets and Yankees are out in a market like New York. There is no chance, toilet pants, that Trevor Bauer is gonna be signed. I don't care how bad the rotation is, how much they need a pitcher at any point during the season, Trevor Bauer will never be a Met or a Yankee. Trevor Bauer will never be a Giant. Trevor Bauer will never be a Dodger. I want you to go to different markets, think about where those markets are politically, and then realize that signing Trevor Bauer is a political issue. It's not just a PR issue. While you have to stand up and explain why you're signing him and no team wants to do that, 
as you get into the year, you could get away with less of a press conference because there are media availabilities during the course of a season. So if you're trying to get a player signed on your team who's got some behavioral problems, got some issues, it's pretty simple what you do. You sign him during the season, and then there's a scrum of reporters at the ballpark, and you just have the reporters meet the manager. The manager gets to explain it. When it's off season, you can't have the manager do it. It's got to be the president or the owner. But on season, hey, I'll let the manager say, yeah, you know, we're just going to bring him in this clubhouse and give him a chance. And he's going to come in here and we are convinced that his behavior will have changed and he will respect me as a manager, respect his teammates. And at the end of the day, we want to win games and bring a World Series to you, our great fans. It's the perfect cover for Bauer to be signed during the season. But he's not going to be signed during the season. No matter what rumors you're reading, whether the Padres, you think they're so desperate, they'll sign anybody. Whether or not the Rangers are so desperate to win, they'll sign anybody. God knows that's true. Maybe the twins bring him, have Correa do a recruiting pitch and saying, hey, Trevor, are you willing to behave? You've been in this division before. Man, we need to win. We got to win something. Seattle Mariners, man, we got to make the playoffs. We got to find a way. Never won a World Series. Come up to Seattle. We're not that liberal. <laughs> no. I'm going to give you a second wait to see on Trevor Bauer and then explain why it's a wait to see. Official, Coca. Trevor Bauer will not pitch one inning in Major League Baseball in 2023. Not one inning in Major League Baseball. And the reason he won't pitch one inning in Major League Baseball is that Trevor Bauer, like it or not, written or not, acknowledged or not, has been banned from Major League Baseball. You think that's controversial? You think it's coincidence when certain players don't get signed? You think it's coincidence when certain managers don't get rehired, certain general managers don't get rehired, certain executives don't get in other jobs? That just happens? Or is it there's conversations that go on saying as an industry, we'd be better off not having this happen, not having that person in a position of authority, not having this person put on a uniform again. It's a company. Let me give an example outside of baseball for all of you who are being critical of sports leagues operating that way and yelling the name collusion, collusion. Take another business, any business. Take a big business that you love. You want to talk about Starbucks. You want to talk at Amazon. Do you want to take your local business with not two, but one store, right? A mom and pop shop, they're called. Both sides of the scale of business. The multinational trillion dollar company or just the people who are making it work trying to sell you goods at the five and dime. Is there a benefit to having those people hire someone who they do not wanna hire? Is there a benefit to having those people have someone associated with their brand who they think would have a deleterious impact on their brand, which means on their bottom line? Why is it that there are rules in place that you believe exist that people deserve second, third, fourth, fifth chances? Why is it that you want to take the power out of the decision makers? Because you want to speak truth to power. You want to make sure that everybody's fair and equitable and that everybody gets a chance. Welcome to the world. Don't talk to me about your participation trophies. I'm talking to you about reality. Reality is when you're in charge, you decide. 
And when you're part of an organization, that organization, if you've got partners, you decide as a partnership what's best for the entire organization. Sports is one of the great examples of all time. When you've got partners who have different views of what is helpful to them, yet they're all part of an industry that they're trying to grow together. Do you think a McDonald's franchisee sitting in Des Moines, Iowa has the same issues as a McDonald's franchisee owner in New York City on 52nd Street and 6th Avenue? Think they've got the same issues, the same expenses, the same problems? When you're working corporate at McDonald's, you've got to deal with all your franchisees and sometimes you have to make decisions that impact all of them. Sometimes you make exceptions and make decisions that are helpful to only some of them because of their unique circumstances. Guess what? In sports, we do the same thing. There are certain decisions that are helpful to low payroll teams. Certain decisions are helpful to high payroll teams and certain decisions like, hey, when you make a quarter pounder, it's gonna taste like that. Certain decisions are made for both franchisees in Iowa and in New York or both sets of teams in LA, New York or Florida or Kansas City. That is the reason why you have a chairman, a CEO, a president, a commissioner, to understand when the decisions need to be made that apply to everybody and when the decisions need to be made that only apply to some, a few, or one. The decision has been made very clearly on behalf of everybody that Trevor Bauer ought not be associated with Major League Baseball. Will there be an owner who sticks his nose in his partner's eye, who sticks his nose in his commissioner's eye and says, all I care about is the jewelry? Is that even possible that that owner would think that Trevor Bauer is the difference maker? No, that's why I gave you the wait to see. Because the commissioner and other owners are very clear to give teams the ability to do something that they believe gives them a competitive advantage until that competitive advantage becomes so great that a rule changes or until that competitive advantage leads to all teams doing the same thing, thereby getting rid of the competitive advantage, to wit, the defensive shift. The job of someone in charge is to monitor. It's to read the room. It doesn't mean you're great at PR. It doesn't mean you're holding press, great at holding press conferences. None of that necessarily matters when you are deciding who your commissioner is, who your lead partner is, who your general partner is, who the person is to run your entire huge company. What matters is their ability to understand what drives value for everybody. Trevor Bauer is not driving value on or off the field. You wait to see. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. We're two in a row. We are H-O triple T. Celtics without Jalen Brown and Tito Horford. They beat the Nets without Kevin Durant. The Nets saw what life was going to be like without KD. And that's Kyrie going eight for 21. That's Chuck and Duck and Prey. Celtics won again. We are two and seven. All right, I got a lot of picks. Let me go through them. Tonight, we got an NBA pick. Game two of Steph Curry. He's back. They're playing the aforementioned Greg Popovich's Spurs. They're giving eight and a half. We're taking the Warriors. They didn't win in Curry's first game back. He's going to get his legs under him. And I see a blowout tonight. Warriors minus eight and a half over the Spurs. And now we've got football. Finally, playoffs. Playoffs? 
Playoffs? You say playoffs? Yes, we did. I can't believe that I'm picking the Jaguars plus two and a half over the Chargers, but I am. I'm definitely picking the Niners nine and a half over the Seahawks. Those are the Saturday games. I'm sorry to Pete Carroll. He's done a great job. Geno Smith, and I mean credit to you. I can't believe you predicted how he was going to be. But the Niners are just, they're the hottest team. They're a team that is likely to come out of the NFC. Niners nine and a half over the Seahawks is a give me. It's not going to be a great game. The Jags-Chargers game is going to be great. The only reason I'm taking the Jags is Doug Peterson is not going to be satisfied where his team and his owner may be satisfied with a playoff game with winning the division. Doug Peterson has tasted it. He's hoisted Lombardi. He wants to try again. Jags plus two and a half. Sunday, we've got a triple header. Poor Will Manso. I know you listen to the show. He's a really talented sports anchor and reporter down in Miami. They sent him to Buffalo. He had to go to the outdoor shop and buy a winter coat and gloves and hats and hand warmers and foot warmers just to watch his team get absolutely crushed. Uh, Josh Allen, Sean McDermott is uh, just quite a bit better than Mike McDaniel. Josh Allen is quite a bit more better than Skylar Thompson. The Bills defense is better than the, than the Dolphins offense. The Bills offense is better than the Dolphins defense. And they're only favored by under two touchdowns. Dolphins minus 13. Uh, Bills minus 13 over Dolphins is the pick. Game two. Will, keep listening. I'm going with my Giants. Giants plus three over the Vikings. I think you could see an upset there. Giants are just playing better. The Vikings, to me, have been a team that has been overrated the entire season. I watched them play a couple games. Their record, to me, did not reflect their talent. And I see the Giants winning a football game plus three against the Vikings. And then we've got Coca's Ravens getting nine from Burroughs Bengals. Ooh, we wanted to work in a little more alliteration, didn't we? Well, Burroughs Bengals minus nine over Ravens is my pick. And you should be happy because when I pick against the Ravens, the Ravens win. When I pick the Ravens, the Ravens lose. But I'm going Bengals minus nine. Coco wants me to give you a stat because he's so excited about this. Over the past four seasons, the number six seed has only lost once. They are seven and one. And that would mean the Ravens would beat the Bengals and the Giants would beat the Vikings. Well, it's going to be eight and two after the weekend, Coca. I'm sorry. So those are the picks of the day. All right, I want to end the week talking about something that has been written about in the New York Times, written about in Time Magazine by my friend Joanne Lippman. It is something that is going to be in your life, whether you like it or not, starting right now. There is a new AI tool out there called ChatGPT. This tool is equal parts scary, equal parts fascinating. It is a tool that will write your paper for you, write your cover letter for you, write your term paper, your research paper, could even do computer code, could solve your math problems for you. It's like what a calculator, when a calculator came and you used to use a abacus, or a computer came and you used to use a typewriter. The difference is when a computer replaced a typewriter, you still needed your own fingers. When a calculator replaced an abacus, you could forget about how to do subtraction, addition, and multiplication. And guess what happened? Go right now and ask an eighth grader what 11 times seven is. Are they gonna know? Or do they say, hold on, let me get my phone, I'll let you know. ChatGBT is a program that does your work for you. It is the ultimate cheating code. You have to write an essay summarizing Ulysses 
forget the cliff notes, forget the monarch notes, forget the spark notes, go to chat GPT and say, write me a book report on Ulysses. Guess what? Out will come a book report. Now, what if it's not in your words? No problem. Write a book report for Catcher of the Rye in the perspective of a ninth grader. Write a poem as though you are a second grader. Write me a college term paper on the meaning of life. My name is Monty Python. For all of you who think that this is going away, it's not. School systems in New York, Seattle, Baltimore have banned ChatGPT because their view is that students are going to use it and teachers won't be able to figure out what's real and what's not. The cheaters are always ahead of the cheated. The steroid users are always ahead of the testers. The criminals are always ahead of the police. That's the way it's been. That's the way it's always going to be. Artificial intelligence, it's here to stay. Do you remember when there was an assembly line of people putting cars together or putting any items together and then they became automated and people got upset and then people realized, well, wait a minute, we can drive prices down. We can teach these other people trades. It's not like the employment unemployment rate has skyrocketed short of COVID. People learn other jobs. They take other jobs. But anytime you can be more efficient, anytime that you can do something better, our society over the last hundreds of years has embraced that along with feared it. And that's the stage we're in right now. Teachers are fearing chat GBT. Executives are fearing it. How do I know that the quality of work that is done by the person I'm interviewing, when they are asked to submit a writing sample, how do I know that they could put three sentences together and make a paragraph? But if I like what the writing sample said, does it matter that they didn't write it? The concept of plagiarism, does that exist when it's coming from a computer? Can you plagiarize a computer? Or is it what you asked ChatGPT to do, the uniqueness of that, and then you get to decide whether you want to print that, whether that's good enough to give an A to, a B, a C, a D, or an F? Does it matter if it's your idea or not your idea? Are we not a world of consequentialists now? ChatGBT is something that school systems are going to have to deal with. And what they're saying is, we're going to take it out of the schools. Does that mean kids aren't going to use it at home? There's already websites and apps that you can get that can get around ChatGPT's dismissal by school systems by changing your IP address, by making sure you have it on your home computer or your personal device. We are spending so much time now trying to figure out how to stop people from doing something that we're not teaching them how to do it right. Why not take ChatGPT and all the other technological improvements that we're about to have, not just in the teaching, not just for students, but in the world of life, in the world of production, in the world of evolution, artificial intelligence. This is not AI the movie with Spielberg. This is not iRobot with Will Smith. This is now. This is not Minority Report. You have not bought pants, you're size 30, and have not bought jeans in two years. Here's a pair of jeans for you, Tommy boy. No, this is today. And the best way to treat today is to not let it be encumbered by yesterday and encourage it to help you lead to tomorrow. And when you do that, then you've embraced the concept that it's just business. 
Don't worry, teachers. Don't worry, employers. This is not the end of your world. You're going to learn how to deal with chat GBT, GPT 4869. You are going to learn how to deal with chat GBT because you're going to recognize that it will be a tool to help your students prepare for a world that is different than what your world was, but a world that is guaranteed to be what their world is. It's nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.